Hello, and welcome to Educational Triage, where we discuss issues in alternative education. This is a discussion about teaching by teachers, for teachers, and others who are interested in the alternative education world. We hope you find today's episode relevant, engaging, and useful. And if you do, please subscribe. I'm Tony Hunt, and I'm here to help guide you with the help of my friends, Christy and Philip. And welcome back to Educational Triage. And once again, we are joined, yay, <laughs> with the indomitable Christy Goodell. Yay, hello. And we also have Philip Summers. Aloha. Hey, okay. So last week we discussed uh, people's perceptions of the students who go to alternative ed schools as, and they think of them as, and I'm not going to use the C word, as a bad influence or misguided, misdirected. Um, and Should let's clarify just for at, one, like yes. a lot of times the C word that is referenced is the term criminal, just so everybody is clear. We're not yes. talking about yes. cupcakes or, you know. Polonius. Not the C word is right. always prescribed. But yes. Right. Not right. The so. We were gonna we were gonna talk about uh, disciplinary alternative education programs um, in Texas. They seem to have them, and there are even laws surrounding those. And there are other states, and there are at least twelve states, I believe, that have them written into the law. And that seems to be perhaps the only viable definition that they have for alternative ed. Now, there are states where there are no definitions for alternative ed, at least not according to the literature that I have. It may be updated, and I just haven't been able to locate that yet. But there are, in a lot of states' definitions, it is written in how students will uh, be educated or not if they suffer an expulsion or a suspension. Right. And many of those are transferred into the alternative ed schools. There are some where there's, it's, it feels as though there's like a negotiating piece between the district and the parents because uh, there's something in there that says that the district is not really responsible for their education anymore, which really makes absolutely no sense to me. But, um, so let's talk about these kids that let's just talk about the structure or the infrastructure of alternative ed and where these kids are supposed to go and what happens to them, etc. So uh, there was an article that we looked at from ProPublica right. where um, students and and this seems to be an example of how it's dealt with uh, across the country with with these alternative ed programs. And it encourages almost a school-to-prison pipeline because students are remanded to these programs for X amount of weeks, and then they pop back into the schools and they find themselves even further behind. Right. So it feels like a vicious cycle 
of something that happens and there's nothing constructive about it. So let's go through this and, and let's listen to your takes on this. Well, I read that same article. You know, we, I should, we both shared the same link to each other. And, but they had a, although it was from 2017, it still is the same behaviors and actions are happening. And I like the phrase that they use, like the word alternative implies a choice, right? Like you are choosing to find either the path or the educational style that fits you best, right? So that's kind of... Right. But what's happening is that, and they also said the same thing that you did, right? Of 39 state education departments, 29 of them said that school districts would transfer students involuntarily to alt-ed, alt programs for disciplinary reasons, which goes completely against what the whole purpose of alternative education is for. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. So then it, then it creates this stigma that alt-ed is a punishment and or behavior correction program as opposed to what it really is, you know, an alternative way for students to participate. In yeah, education. one of the points of that article, too, was that it was a yeah. temporary placement, too. You know, like they were assigned their place there pending returning back to the regular system. Right. right. And that's and that's what I said, that it's there for a determined amount of time and that they'll somehow or other be working on academics. But it doesn't. But but they're being removed I mean, because of behavior. Right. So those don't seem to. Well, well mentally, it sets up this model yeah. where you're you're taken out of the regular routine where the rest of all of us kind of operate and you're placed in a place where disciplinarians, you know, you're a disciplinarian reason temporarily, and now you're returned to the regular placement, which says kind of you're put in sort of prison, kind of, and then right. put back into society again in a sort you serve of an, your time. Yeah, 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 there it is. You serve your time and come back in. And then you can come back as opposed Well, there are a couple yeah. of, there's, yeah, there's just a couple of problems I have with this. Just, and just one of them is... <laughs> Well, one is, okay, the kid's being bad, so we're going to put him in a room and isolate, in a sense, right. from the rest of the, what I call gen pop, it's a prison term, um, <laughs> from the general population, and they put them there, so if, like you would a kid with a tantrum. Or in-school suspension. Yeah. Right. right. Isolation. And then, yeah, they're they're kind of isolated from the rest of the school, but they're put down into this placement where they're neither here nor there. They know that they're only there for a short amount of time. Where's the investment? Um, and generally speaking, according to a great deal of literature that I've read, there really isn't a lot of great infrastructure there. I mean, they could be I mean, we're talking about crumbling buildings. We're talking about no books. We're talking about right. teachers who really don't even want to be there because they're not really the greatest teachers that are there. And I'm not saying that as a generalization for all alternative ed teachers right. who do this. There are some incredible, but you do get some of the chaff in with the good. Right. And, and maybe they just figure that they're just going to take these certain teachers and they're going to throw them in there because 
by golly, that's where they're going to have to prove their worth. And that's not a good thing either. But the kids don't have any real direction. There is nothing there. There's not, there's no learning plan for them when they go down there, from what I understand. And it feels as though it's an us versus them rather than a we kind of collective uh, format. So if a student comes down from the high school, part of the problem with them coming down might be that they were having troubles and they were struggling in the classroom. Maybe that was one of the behavioral issues and it completely disregards that and it throws them into sort of a whirlpool where they're still not going to be getting any academics and they're going to fall even further behind, which kind of becomes a catch 22. No, it seems like the worst possible structure to thrive on. Yeah. And and the teachers themselves, you know, you alluded to them being parked there, but even a good teacher parked there isn't going to thrive because they're not supported. They're not given the structure themselves by which to, uh, yeah, succeed with. Yeah. Right. Unless unless you have somebody who can pull out all the tricks and they are able to um just kind of like do whatever they do and somehow or other entice the kids, be a Pied Piper in a sense. But those are one in a million, really. Well, I, I think that structure, the, the key to it is the structure can't be the same as the regular high school or the regular school itself. You can't impose that structure on the alternative program. The alternative program has to be able to function outside of the regular structure itself in order to be effective. It has to be able to develop that relationship, that that rigor outside of the bell structure the class structure, the even the credit structure. Although, you know, the way the program that I worked within, we got the credit structure down to 0.125 credit every four weeks. So it was terribly bite-sized. Um, that was giving fits to the regular high school counselors when they tried to fit it into, um, you know, grade reports. But we had to do it that way. It, it was just the best way to do it it did not fit mm-hmm. with the regular high school credit recovery or credit system. Right. They hated that, but it made it work for our kids. For example, that's an essential for alternative. If you impose that regular system on the alternatives, I would think that would be a critical break. Right. Well, you're not doing it for the counselors. You're doing it for the students. I mean, exactly. you don't want the tail wagging the dog. And Precisely. I think you got the grant. Yeah, you got the ten thousand foot skate. Or look there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and, and you know, plus you know, the big component of that is that you're still providing education. You are still finding different ways to provide it with maintaining the integrity while addressing the students' needs. But going back to the original question, is to just remove kids from their setting, plunk them over with no plan or timeline or way to monitor their progress right. or what are we working on mm-hmm. in order for them to make gains behaviorally and or academically. And then at some point we're going to, you know, just sure. return them back to their setting without any, you know, I mean, these kind of things, all programs take time. You can't just plunk a kid into an English mm-hmm. class and be like, you're going to be here for three weeks and then we're going to take you and we're going to put you somewhere else. Like there's no way to have that right. depth of knowledge in such a short timeline you can you know well there's no connection you're not building relationships like all those things that we continue to say is very important to well correct me if i'm wrong 
But does this demonstrate on admin's part a lack of respect for the educational process as well as for the students and the community and the teachers? Precisely. I mean, it's a multi-tier. I don't think you can only put it on that one spot. Like it is a multi-tier system that's being supported and or misunderstood at all levels, Mm -hmm. right? At the building, Mm -hmm. at administration, at your district, the community's like, we need places for these bad kids to go. And you're like, yay, we're going to shove them over here. And then everybody's like, yay, they're out of our kids' classroom, right? So I mean, it's this whole tiered approach that alt-ed equals where the troubled kids, the the defiant kids, the, you know, mm-hmm. that's where they go. It's being viewed as a well, dumping ground, not as a leveled, right. vibrant place where kids can right. learn. Right. On and par grow. with your high school, right? They're not treating right. it as like, hey, we have three high schools that do blank, blank, blank. We have two high schools, you know, I'm just randomly using numbers, and we have one where the bad kids go, right? And so, yeah. That's, well, I think that's my thought. I think what got me too was the fact that the the student that they talk about in the article he yeah he was he was caught pulling his cell phone out for a second time during the day by accident. Oh my gosh! And they went after him. I mean, our entire there school were... would be all dead if that was yeah, the reason. What school do they? Every kid where, where is that? Right. Yeah. Oh my I want to say it was in Pennsylvania. I think you're but bad. yeah, I mean. so. So it's it it already felt like a prison. It didn't feel like a warm, welcoming kind of place where you want where the kids would really want to be. Right. And they even called in, and I, I almost think that that would be illegal for them to create an IEP and do an IEP meeting without the mother's involvement or her even knowing that it was happening. So I, I um, mean, yeah, you've got to give. I mean, depending depending on what part of the process but yeah if you're going to conduct right. a referral and you're not getting any sort of consent for initial evaluation then yeah that's kind of a and the kid's not 18 that's a mm-hmm. yeah and he ended up dropping out um the, the interesting thing though is that <laughs> but then you take a look and you look at new york and new york has what they call the transfer schools and they found that, and they're called transfer schools simply because uh, kids that aren't making it in the regular school are transferred to an alternative placement. And what they found was, and people said, well, they're just losers who go there. I mean, those schools just really aren't worth whatever. And they looked at the data and they realized that the kids who went there were far more likely to graduate than the kids who did not transfer because they would fall so far behind. Huh. Am I making sense? Because you're having this. I'm processing. Up in the clouds. Look. I don't. So, okay. Let's say that, let's say that little. Oh Tommy God. Thumb yeah, sucker, okay. Jeez Louise. Sure. <laughs> we're back to Tommy. Go ahead. We're back to Tommy. Let's say that Tommy only has 10 credits mm-hmm. by the time that he is, let's say, a senior. Okay. And what are we going to do with Tommy? I mean, he needs at least another 14 credits to graduate. Right. So, and I'm just going from what is 
true in Oregon. I know every state has, they have different numbers. They calculate their credit somehow. But in Oregon, you need at least 24. Many districts are 26 or 27. But let's say that he only has 10 and he needs those 14. Well, put if you keep him there at the school, he's more prone to drop out than if he goes to a transfer school, which is another term for alternative school, where he gets the information, he's able to do what he needs to do, they get the program, and he will graduate possibly within two years and make him a fifth year or maybe a six-year senior, but he will be far more productive and he won't be dropping out and um, he'll get a lot more done, which is beneficial to the district and it's also beneficial to the community as well as to the students. So that that kind of transfer is fine. It, so why in not, if you're going to take a kid and say, okay, you're suspended and you're suspended for X, Y, and Z t- amount of time, why can't they go into an alternative setting? And let's say that they have to go there for a full semester. And that way they're able to get the credits that they need to get. Right. Rather than just for a few weeks, because a few weeks is a few weeks. You might as well go to, you might as well go camping up in the mountains for a few weeks and come back with what I understand the amount of information that they're going to have. They're really not going to have anything that's going to propel them to move any faster or to get any further in their, in their scholastics. Correct. A few weeks right. is not near enough time to, to do anything. It, it doesn't right. even administratively work. Well, you don't even know where the kid is in math, yeah. language arts. Right. You can yeah. pretty much figure out. You can do you can do some assessments with mathematics, though. But then you come down to some of the other classes where they may just be looking around. For example, maybe science. They're, you know, who knows where they are. But you also have to get them to buy in because yeah. you may be going with a paradigm that, of course, the kid is going to go there and they're going to say, yeehaw, I really want to be in this class. Yeehaw, let's go. Ride him cowboy and goes into the class and digs in. Well, the loss and is during the suspension, the teacher has to supply the work anyway. During an expulsion, you have to you have to provide a placement. So yeah, there's no short not in term every state. place. Yeah, not, not in, in every, every state. state. In this right. state we do. Right. So that's the way I dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah, but a two week or a one month placement just for a suspension is pretty useless especially if a kid's in trouble with the school or something, they just don't have time for that foolishness. And the school doesn't have time for it either. Like you said, it's really tough to assess. And I imagine it doesn't fit real well with the curriculum. So there has to be a better way to deal with it. Yeah. Right. Okay. But see, then you look at the prison schools Mm -hmm. and some of the juvenile detention facilities. And there was one, they were, they, a couple that were trying to get me to work there. And it was, it was a constant turnover of kids. So you got done what you could do with those students while oh, they yeah. were there. Maybe they were there for That's two a days. Maybe they were there yeah. for mm-hmm. a night. Maybe they were there for two weeks. Um, but you still have to do something with those mm-hmm. students and get them engaged. Um, there was a program that was in with my um, little group of, uh, my little group of, lawfully misdirected youth, my felons, my fifth graders with whiskers. 
And we used to have these kids that came in and they would join them. My fifth graders with whiskers. That's what I called them. I mean, they were all, they were mostly high schoolers. I had some middle schoolers, but then there was another, there was another (laughs) residence that used to join them and they would come in and I would have some of those kids for three, four days, maybe just one day um, until they were placed because it was sort of like a holding cell and uh, get them going. Yeah. And, and get them going. And so it was constant, but we had something so that they could get information out of it that they could get something so they didn't lose yeah they were they literally a captive the, audience the, however <laughs> yes yeah we, well we, they were yeah when you're talking about a high school placement when a kid in a suspension they're like oh what do you got what have you done for me lately kind of kid it, it's 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 right. hard to, to establish that relationship with a suspension where the kid came over especially if you know they're gonna leave yeah, that right? always was terrible. I'm here for too. two weeks, so I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, why yeah. should I start building relationships when I know I'm gonna be like ping back right? That that exactly. happens. Exactly. When I used to get along oh. with them too, it was like, and they were gone. It was like, oh darn it! I really could hang out with this kid for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, some of the well, I learned a great deal from some of them. Mm-hmm. I learned a great deal from some of them. I mean, but some of them had. They, I mean, it was obvious that they had some major issues. I had a kid <laughs> who, well, I'm not going to go into it, but anyway, um, he taught me all about how to be better at MMA by shaving, taking broken glass and shaving the nerves off of your shins. And he had done that with his. So, well, as I said, there were some kids that had awful. some major issues. Yeah. Muay Thai yeah. nerves there. Right. <laughs> so Ouch. but Dedicated okay so <laughs> let's take so let's let's identify the problem with some of these programs then because um if you look at where they are most of these kids are going to need credit recovery correct right yeah okay and so in our episode on credit recovery we talked about equity we talked about how the credit recovery needs to follow the rules of equity. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw a full textbook or a full course to a kid and expect them to get through it. And right. what the studies have shown, and um, Dr. Sharon Jones Deloach, who wrote a wonderful book on um, on credit recovery and Texas, because that was her. Um, um, I'm, that's the, the home state. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's where it was. Where well, that's where she was doing it from. Um, okay. and I'm trying to look it up right now. I'm having a terrible time because I didn't bring the correct Kindle with me. <laughs> so, but anyway, just look her up, Dr. Sharon Jones Deloach. In answer to alternative ed, I think that's what it is. She says, and I believe her to be true because the her study is wonderful. I mean, I learned a great deal from it. There are so many pithy things in there. That when giving credit recovery, students are looking for, they're not looking for remediation. They're looking for something that's going to take them through it much faster. Right, right. The way that they were trying to learn or, or get through the credits was not working. 
which usually is right. AKA slow to make progress and, or you're not making progress whatsoever. Right. So therefore right. I'm in this other setting yeah. where I'm trying to. And we have all yeah. these, we have all these other people who say, look, these kids need the remediation. They're supposed to do it. So it becomes more of a punishment for them than it does actually credit recovery because they have, <clears throat> if they're in credit recovery, chances are they've already taken the class before. Right. If they haven't taken the class before, then you tailor it so that they can get the information that they need. But they shouldn't have to suffer through an entire semester's worth of time in order to get that information. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's where you really want to kind of utilize the individual you know make a like you have to individualize the education right it did the kid struggle because they had beautiful attendance and they just couldn't understand the work and so you definitely need to um mm -hmm. you know start over so to speak or was the kid enrolled in the class and didn't make progress because they just didn't come right but if you just take right. the little pockets that they missed and instruct that like rather than you know, it shouldn't just be like, hey, you're in all debt. Everybody starts from scratch, right? It shouldn't mm -hmm. be that way. You should, you know, fill in some of the gaps as best you can in order to, because then if you're doing everything from the beginning, like Philip said, you're going to lose some of these kids who are like, oh my gosh, I've already been through <laughs> well, this before and I, so I just didn't do well on the test because <laughs> I, I skipped or I was sick, you know, I got mono or, you know, these oh, factors. Yeah. I had a kid who, you know, they lost their glasses and they just couldn't see the board. And it just, because of their socioeconomic status and, and um, their ability to get resources, it took a while to get glasses. And so they were there, they well, were trying, but they just couldn't see once they got the stuff, their stuff, mm -hmm. their glasses, right? But it's, you shouldn't have to take the whole class over again. You brought up a really salient point, and that is gaps, because a lot of the kids that we receive have major gaps mm -hmm. in their learning yes and we have to figure out a way to fill those gaps mm -hmm. and so they can make the connections between point a and point f because they're missing c they're missing e and then maybe they're also missing a so there's there's there are connections that they're not making and that's part of the joy of working in this mm -hmm. is putting that puzzle together and trying to figure out, okay, so you understand this, but you don't understand that. I don't know how you got here without that, <laughs> right. but let's go through this so that we can get to here just for my own sake. And then maybe we can start making some inroads, but, and that seems to be one of the biggest factors. Cause once, once a student starts to get those gaps filled, things start working for them. Right. Okay. And they can see that they're making progress or they can feel it or witness it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. which is goes, I think that's just such a wonderful way for Alt-Ed where they can kind of dose, right? They can get those credits in small chunks because we do have a lot of students who kind of cross that threshold where like, I have no hope. I have five more weeks of this. I can't, there's, I'm, I can't, even if I start understanding everything at this point, I've missed too much. And so the whole semester is a wash, right? And so that Alt-Ed opportunity that you can, hey, we're just going to work on this little chunk and then we're going to go to the next little chunk and it doesn't seem so overwhelming. I think right. it's a big part of right. it. Right. 
Exactly, but yeah. that's part of our job. Our right. our job is to re-engage and recommit the student to their learning so that they can have a successful and productive life. Mm-hmm. Doing what it is, whatever it is that they want right. to do. Right. And hopefully it's on the right side of the law. But um and most of them will, I think, if given the choice. But what does this create, though, if they're sending them off to these schools? And I don't know where where the disconnect between the lawmakers and the educators is. Because I get it that they want to be tough on the kids. They want to show that they're going to crack down so they don't have discipline issues. But if you take a look at some of the things that they are cracking down on, it's pretty unreasonable. I mean... It's wild. Have you ever? Well, like the examples. Have you ever gone through a student's cum file and read through what they've been written up for? Yeah. Yes. I used to do that. If I needed a good laugh, I would do that. (laughs) And then I would sit back and I would think about the times that I wrote up some students and I would laugh myself. And I think, I don't know if I told you this, but. I had a kid who, and I looked at him and I said, are you serious? And he said, what are you looking at? And I said, well, did you really punch a kid in the nose? And he said, oh, when I got on the bus that day, (laughs) I said, yeah, (laughs) it was like a second or third grader. And the kid said, how you doing y'all? And he, and he punched him and they said, why did you punch him? And he said, he called me a y'all. He had no idea what the guy was saying. So, so, you know, I mean, it's just one of those funny things, but, um, and then sometimes it just sounds like teachers are at wit's end and they've just had enough. And sometimes in retrospect, those are rather amusing. However, it's not so amusing if it gets a kid placed into a program where they have to suffer for a few weeks doing absolutely nothing. That's going to propel them forward in their academic career. Right. How can we, right. Yeah. Yeah, I have to see a lot of those just because in my role, we have to see like their developmental history, do a file review Mm -hmm. and stuff. So you do see a lot of those and some like, I'm sorry, why did you, what you got written up because why you, you know, oh, and like, you know, how did you get, you know, this many referrals during online? Like, (laughs) right. Like how did this happen? (laughs) Online, you know. get referrals yeah. in online. Yes, oh I know. I was like, I don't. What? Okay, this is. Where do they send them? <laughs> I have a feeling that Break a lot around. of kids Boosh. who are doing <laughs> online have other people on the line for their online doing their online. Uh, oh no! So kidding. they're able to get off the line and move forward. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, but it's, you know, it's, that's maybe where you, I don't know, chat with the student or the family as opposed to like writing them up, referrals. Right. And then you figure something out. Yeah. The mother, the mother you? in the case, the mother in this case was, was a little clueless because she somehow or other suspected that the district was looking out for her child's best interest and they weren't. They were looking out for their own. Mm. And I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know what happened after this article was published. But um, we have all these kids who come back 
and we've talked about this. They had no structure for two years, nearly two years. They come back in. All of a sudden, structures are imposed on them. And Lord knows how many schools were had to be shut down because the kids couldn't. They started rebelling, and they could not get them to have just reasonable behavior and comply to everything that they needed them to comply with. And so they had to figure that part out. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Oh yeah. There was a middle school. There's a middle school that shut down for two weeks because they had to figure out how they were going to get the middle schoolers to behave properly because they were just, they were becoming violent. They were unruly. There was too much vandalism We've had all kinds of vandalism this year because of all the TikTok challenges. Uh, yeah. Kids got hooked up on their TikTok challenges. Um, yeah, that part is just frustrating. So, you know, I mean, there's just there are just so many things that happened not on our watch because we weren't there with them, but somehow or other we're still made responsible for that. But all in all, I think a lot of the kids that came back this year wanted to learn and they were in the, they, there we are. And when you remove a kid from the regular school, you're also taking them out of their social circle. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that there's any bullying that goes on with that from the mainstream? I mean, what's the social perception there? Right. And then that just... I feel further fuels the stigma that alt ed is where you go when you're bad. If you are being removed because not by choice. Right. Right. And so therefore then, you know, kids are super smart, very observant. If they see Tommy to use your person's name, (laughs) like, you know, he (laughs) did blah, blah, blah. So now we're going to send him to alt ed Uh until he, for this many weeks. And then when they come back, it's not like he's like zippity quiet, right? All, you know, you had a student in your class, they're gone. They come back. Why were you gone? Oh, they sent me to, you know, all dead. Cause I did X, Y, Z. That's what happened. You know, it's so it just further. And it was really cool. And I didn't have to do anything. Right. I just sat there. Um, and so it just furthers the, <laughs> it devalues the work that all dead does. It makes it seem like it's a, not even a behavior program. It makes it seem like it's disciplinarian, disciplinary. Right. 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 But see, the behavior I'm still program stuck. is different. You're addressing the behavior and they have training and norms and plans for it. And so you work with them. So I feel that's different than mm-hmm. what these articles are talking about, where they're truly just like, you had a, an offense, you did this. So therefore you off you go in this forced placement. See, I'm still stuck with the learning gaps at the school level where they think that it's perfectly okay to do these things. Yeah, and how many, 30, Not no, it wasn't 39 states. It was, uh, what was the stats? I'm trying to find it on my little article here. <laughs> um, the, number of, the number of states that have, that, that basically say that alternative ed is a disciplinary right. alternative ed placement there are about 12 yeah oh yeah there it is oh that just and they're and they're not just in the south they're not just in the north they're also in the midwest so they're scattered around the country right there's 
because I know that there's some people who will say, oh, well, if you say it's Mississippi, then I believe it. Well, guess what? I want to say that it's in Maine or Connecticut as well. So, I mean, if you take a look at all the definitions, that you see all kinds of funky language in there. Right. The the Um, baseline is that school districts could transfer students involuntarily because of discipline reasons. And the where they went was alternative programs, not, you know, we're going to address the behavior programs or, you know, and there are some districts that have specific programs for students Mm -hmm. who, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, (laughs) They have that are failing or they, or they're just not making the mark um, and they're unable to coexist with the school. Yeah. And then, you know, they have, um, alternative placement. Yeah, that we do have mm-hmm. schools that are. I mean, but that is that is their objective, right? They are specifically designed to address behaviors, whether it be right. you know extreme emotional disturbed, or if you have maybe perhaps been in the juvenile system, right? So, they, but but they're transparent in what their school and their education setting is addressing, right? which mm-hmm. I feel is different than when we say you're going to this alt ed program that has a culinary program and you're also going to do auto. And that's where you're going to be for three weeks until you learn your lesson. And then back <laughs> you come, right? You're going to go learn culinary <laughs> skills right. for three weeks, Mr. Man, yeah. you're coming and, back. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, Instead of just harping on all that, but there are programs. I mean, Harp? PBIS, correct? Yeah. yeah, right. PBIS. So, do you want to go over what PBIS is? Because maybe we have some people that aren't familiar with PBIS, or you want to discuss how well, PBIS is is unfolded in your building. I mean, yeah, sure, but I'm not quite sure how this relates to alt ed and. Because if if they are rolling out, okay, here's the reason why. Okay. Because PBIS and EBIS. Right. Okay, what do you look at? You're looking at tier one, tier two, tier three mm-hmm. students. Right. What are things that you can do for those? Tier two students are, and tier three students are the students that tend to go to the alternative ed placements. Statistically speaking, yes. Yes. More right. from, the, and, and, the, and the reason why they're in these tiers is they're either struggling or have mm-hmm. been identified as um, having either like they're struggling either academically and or with attendance and or with behavior, i.e. discipline referrals. Right. Those are the, the so, big three that mm-hmm. they look at. Right. And so PBIS, positive behavior intervention, um, they there are different things that you do that may mollify many of them mm-hmm. and may bring them in EBIS effective effective <laughs> behavior yeah um and that's where you end up talking more about the students and you try to find different interventions for those students so right. if there's a team of people that are working to work with these students and you identify those students and you work with them and maybe is it possible that we can find a placement for them here, but it's not a short-term placement. It's trying every possible venue you can right. in order for that student to find success. Right. 
providing different interventions and how they respond, whereas PBIS tends to be school-wide. How can we promote positive behavior across our school-wide settings, not just specific demographics, right? It's kind of like, if you, if you build it, they will come, right? If you reward the positive behavior and their peers are seeing this, then therefore everyone will respond collectively. And so mm -hmm. sometimes they would recognize like, hey, this whole class had, you know, increased attendance. So we're going to reward them with blah. And the school as a whole, you know, so there's like those kind of different levels. Whereas, yes, the EBIS is, hey, we've got this either student or this population of students are triggering across all three of these categories. And so how how can we support them? And so then you're kind of bringing in like um a whole bunch of different areas within your building that maybe they're familiar with the student, right? So it's that kind of like the mentality of it takes a village, right? You're bringing in your counselors and your um, school psych and, or your, um, mm -hmm. right? So you're just, you're, right. how can we support them? Are they, you know, have they, are they homeless? Did they lose their transportation? Is one of their family sick? And so therefore the, you know, we've, these are all examples that Tony, you and I have sat in these meetings, right? And, you know, the, fan, oh, yeah. the kids can't come to school because they are now taking their their parents or parent or guardian to the doctor or they, right? Or right. they, have or they to watch, are the parent and the guardian. Right. And or they have to stay and watch their siblings so they can't come mm -hmm. to school. And, um, but we also, there's also, we also have tutoring. Mm-hmm. And so the district will also pay for tutoring. So I had a student who was, they were going to do a conditional suspension slash expulsion. Um, they said that he could be on campus as long as he did not go, he could walk over to the program, but he could not be in any other part of the building or on any part of the campus at any other part of the day. And I said, that's not going to work. He's not going to agree to that. And they said, well, you need to make him do that. And I said, I don't think anybody's going to make this kid do anything. <laughs> and so I mentioned it to the kid and the kid was very colorful with his language and basically said, yeah, that's not going to work. No. Right. So, and they said, no, you need to. And I said, look, <laughs> I have other students. I'm not holding this kid's hand figuratively. Right. And, they said, well, you have to. And I said, so, okay. So instead of working with students and teaching them, you want me to babysit. And they said, well, yeah. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Strangely, I don't want to. Basically, what I said is, you're going to have to get a tutor for him. Let's get a tutor. So we did. And the kid graduated. The kid liked the tutor. The tutor found him fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they met twice a week and he would get his stuff done. And he was not what I would call a rapidly, um, a person who could rapidly stuff his brain with information. Okay. And so there were, that that had to be chunked and it had to be scaffolded and reviewed and constantly force fed to him sometimes. But uh, they, they got along really well and they called me and said, guess what? We're graduating. And I said, that's fantastic. That's cool. So, um, but you have to look at so many different other kinds of interventions. And I think that administrators and schools, 
but usually it starts with the administrators. If the administrator does not form teams, if they don't form teams that include teachers who are looking for the best the best way for students to access the schooling and the information, then you're going to have issues and you're going to have students who are not going to be able to be as successful as they should be. Right. Yeah. I mean, in order to have these systems work, they have to be supported by your building. And that includes, you know, admin and right. counselors and the district and, the district and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the, if you've got your mental health, um, you know, all the different services that work with your school. So if they aren't recognizing it, then it, right, then it doesn't, it's not very effective. Right. Well, we no longer have EBIS. Right. It doesn't exist. And, um, and the weird thing is, is that I believe that we were one of the national models for EBIS. And all of a sudden, we just turned around one day and bam, it was gone. So, I can't even recall when it all, you know, and then you know, we had that little pandemic thing that kind of. Well, it, it was before <laughs> the pandemic. It was the same year as the pandemic. I mean, it was the fall of the pandemic. Okay. It was gone. And I think it was because we had new admin who weren't schooled in it and didn't understand it and couldn't understand how it worked or they did. And they just didn't see the value in it. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. know. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put the blame on anybody, even though I'm throwing the tail at the donkey. So um, <laughs> you have got so many quotes today. I did throw the tail at the donkey. Throw at the tail. You've got fifth grade whiskers so, and you've got <laughs> all these things. Well, you know, so, okay. Anyway. Okay. So let's wrap it up. Got it. And so the, which, which of you two wants to do a summation? I nominate Philip. No, not me. No, No, I did no noses. You know, the one thing that struck me about all this was that, is that the more I kept reading, it was like this circular argument where I, I, I guess I was guilty of it before I began to teach. I, I was I was I was looking for jobs and I was gonna be Mr. Third Period Social Studies guy. I was a I was a history and black studies uh, major and a and I had my uh, you know my MAT in social science, social studies, and I was ready to go. And I was I applied for a career education job. Well I I was desperate for a job and I'll teach anything. Okay, I'll teach career ed. And it was an alternative ed job. And I had no idea what alternative ed was. And I got lucky. I was hired by a magnificent administrator who had this vision that was handed to her and developed by her and this this administrator before her and this program that was developed. And we did a great job. And we had, we, we had an identity that was really good with kids, for kids, by kids, you know, and um, it wasn't disciplinary. We had kids who were referred to us. We were told to take expulsions, but these expulsions worked because we were a community. So when I was reading these articles, mm-hmm. it occurred to me that these disciplinary alternative ed programs, they went bad because they were disciplinary programs. You know, these 
temporary programs they didn't work with the bad kids were just temporary programs where you put bad kids you know you really need more well they weren't uh, working with the kid they were they yeah they right they were working against the behavior yeah they were they just trying to working. quell behavior problems not trying to you know be an alternative not with the programs kids. for kids and and so yeah right. you just don't have a chance when you're addressing a behavior problem you do have a chance when you're addressing kids always do so it was just this mm-hmm. circular argument. You just, I remember this one, we had this district administrator. She was sort of the beginning of the end. But she was touring the building and she walked around. She kind of looked around. She goes, well, none of these kids look like alternative kids. And it just told oh, us a, a lot about what the heck she didn't know about us. And oh, then no. she dismantled us. She was the beginning of the end. But I should have known that was right there, that statement. None of these kids look like alternative kids. Well. You don't know anything about us, do you? Right. Yep. And it's not to say, you know, to if kids are struggling with their behavior in some capacity, right? I mean, that absolutely can and should be addressed within an alt ed setting. But it oh, shouldn't sure. be, right? But like you, it's built it's in, it's wrapped setting. in, but it's not the only thing, right? You're not putting them yeah. in to just sit there and not address behavior with the prospects of like, man, eh, you're just holding them for about two weeks, right? But the you dump. absolutely can yeah, the dump, right? Here's your dumping ground. Uh, but if you've got kids who have chosen, right? There I mean, there are some there are definitely students who the behavior is coming out because the current setting is not working for them. And it doesn't just automatically shut off, right? Once you change the setting. Sometimes they've got some really um, either established patterns or really entrenched behaviors oh, that need yeah. time Right. And, but you are, you, you don't just ignore them. You work with the family. No, no, we certainly weren't the best placement for some kids, but the only placement for disciplinary kids. Right. It shouldn't (laughs) be viewed as punishment. You also have to look at what, what, what was also stated in the articles and something that we've repeated over and over again is relationship based. Yes. Yes. Very much relationship based. And that's what every study keeps coming out with. Mm And the low student to teacher ratio. Right. Yeah. To be able because to build the that ratio. way students can get the one-on-one. They can get more access to the teacher. The teacher gets to know them. They get to know that they, there's just more. And so they feel as though they are cocooned with the material and they can, they, it's okay to fail in a sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, because that develops resiliency and perseverance and learning from your mistakes and all the stuff that we do want. Right, students. and then they can find their success right. and they can go. And, and the discipline problems probably um, subside in a sense. So in summation, alternative oh, disciplinary alternative education programs, DAEPs, which are in several states, and with the laws, uh, there are so many factors as to why they won't work, but they could work. There are so many things that are going on in the mainstream buildings that trickle down into those programs. Uh, it's more systemic, and I think that has more to do with the district, possibly with the state. I don't know. I think it's more of the district. Um, and the schools, 
of where they are as long as they there's a plan as long as there is a team that works with the child with the family figures out how they're going to get things done. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a credit recovery program. Maybe it's something so that the student, when they go back, because if it's a short amount of time, what is that student supposed to learn in that short amount of time that's going to put them up with everybody else? How is their learning improved so that they can fall right back in and they're not falling even further behind Mm -hmm. because it's just masochistic and sadistic take out the masochistic it's just sadistic <laughs> for the district to do something like that and make this make the students you know drown right. and so you, well they're not wanted they're right. not being helped right <clears throat> and isn't that our job right. so um and it feels like a it does feel like some sort of odd power play and I just hope that things have been remediated and things are better than they were. But once you see that alternative education programs are disciplinary programs, that it's a little cringy, to be honest. Yeah, so there is hope. Cringy. There is hope. There there are programs out there where where students can survive, and there are solutions. And so. What it means is that if you're in a community like that, um, then you need to start maybe having some meetings and maybe start advocating for some change and put some backbone and elbow grease into it to make sure that the students are taken care of mm-hmm. and uh, and make sure that you are going for the students. It's not very so, nice to say, we'll show yeah. you, we'll educate you poorly. <laughs> yeah. Because there's all that money that your district <laughs> supposedly has that's supposed to go for the kids. Yeah. So, okay. So I am going to sign us off. And so I thank you both very much. And we will be talking again next week. So to all of you, thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Uh, well, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Adios.